Hello and welcome to the podcast of the Asia chapter of the Asian American Journalists Association. I'm Dexter. And I'm Neha. And this is our first episode in our podcast series leading up to the 11th annual New Now Next conference. This year's theme is reimagining news as countries look to reopen and we look to reconnect. This year's New Now Next N3Con is virtual, just as last year's, and you can find out more about it on n3con.com. Today, we have a guest who will be telling us about media literacy and what it means to be an educated citizen, photojournalist Tom White. Uh, hi, thank you. Um, my name is Tom White. I'm a photographer and I teach here at Yale and US College part-time, where I teach documentary and photojournalism. Um, I've been a freelance photographer for close to 15 years and then as a photographer working for 24 25 years more or less um, range of roles from the UK originally and here in Singapore for the past decade. So can you tell us um, what's the most interesting assignment you've ever been on? The, the most interesting assignment? My goodness. Um, there's so many. I mean, it depends what you mean by interesting because sometimes the assignments that you think are going to be very, very dull turn out to be very interesting and sometimes vice versa. So, uh, I mean, personally interesting, I think, is, you know, here in Singapore, I did a lot of work for a, a news agency and um, you you get to see a lot of the kind of the, uh, the theatrics um, around certain events, so especially things like politics, um, going into the Istana, which is the presidential palace here in Singapore, when you have visiting dignitaries, um, and you know they come out and they do the handshake, and then they make a few remarks and then kind of disappear into an uh, adjacent room where you can see them, but we don't have access, you know, so we get to see the kind of the the performance um, that they put on, and we all kind of participate in that. And then, you know, you really want to be in that room listening to what they're saying behind that closed glass door, um, but you never get to, to do that. And that, that for me is really fascinating and interesting because that's not something that, you know, the normal kind of public get to participate in. I don't know, there's so many, right? I mean, I, I've, I've traveled to amazing places to make pictures. I've, um, you know, been in rooms with famous people to make portraits of them and to, to photograph them giving sort of statements and so forth. So, you know, what's the most interesting? It's, it's hard <laughs> because there's so many like little interesting aspects to the, the job. Um, yeah. Um, and it seems that you've been in the industry for a long time. Somewhat, yeah. So what has changed the most? Uh, I think... Well, for me, I started really sort of freelancing in when I graduated from the International Center of Photography, and that was 2007 when I graduated. Um, so at that moment, there was the, the sort of switch to digital was, was almost complete. Um, things were moving more online. Um, cameras now could shoot video. Um, photographers were being asked to make video. You know, it was kind of like, well, your camera shoots video, right? So make some videos um, and then, you know, you wouldn't get paid for extra for that. But so that that shift, I, I wasn't really working in the industry in 
journalism, sort of pre-digital. But that kind of explosion of the digital space was something where I saw that from the beginning onwards. Um, so this, you know, really the kind of the process of doing journalism hasn't really changed much. Um, you know, we have more digital tools. You know, you can you can access a wider range of information more easily. You can get in touch with people perhaps a little bit more easily. Um, but the the process of actually going and you know, speaking to people and listening to them and asking them questions and, and seeing things to document hasn't really changed that much. It will change a bit because there's more kind of collaborative networks emerging. Um, more of this, you know, it used to be called like citizen journalism, um, which is a horrible sort of term, but I think you will see more sort of collaborative journalistic work coming in and be less of the journalist going in as the sort of voice of authority and more sort of stories produced in collaboration. Um, I think that will become more prevalent and I think some of the digital technology has both enabled that and also forced that. Um, so this kind of, you know, voice of authority from your news outlets has been fragmented and challenged a little bit by that sort of digital space. Um, so, so how that evolves is, is going to be really interesting. I know people who worked in journalism sort of pre-digital and I was, like I said, I was just at that cusp of everything changing when I really started working in, in this sphere. Um, I know that there's, that, that there has been a lot of changes from, for people who were very well established sort of pre-digital and some of that has been difficult for some people and some people have embraced it. So that's really the main sort of shift i think just the kind of the, the the networks and the tools that we use and the way that that has shifted how news is consumed and reported perhaps so i want to talk more about this fragmentation that you've been talking about and you know with this fragmentation comes with this explosion of fake news because now everybody can just you know hop online and just um post anything they want with seemingly much less regulation. So how do you think is a way, or what do you think is a way that we can, you know, kind of counter this um, boom of fake news? I, I don't, well, the best way to counter it is with truth, right? Um, you can't, uh, you can't really counter it. I mean, it's, it's out there. If, if anyone can say anything about anything, which they always have been able to, you know, people have opinions um, about things. People have ideas about things. People have, you know, constantly consumed and perpetrated misinformation. You know, this is not a, a new phenomenon for humans, right? Um, but again, that kind of digital space has really allowed it to, to mushroom into this kind of uncontrollable, difficult to navigate sort of um, beast, if you like. So I don't think you can really counter it. Like, you can't stop it. Um, just the same as you can't stop people from having opinions um, about something. But what you, you can do is you can actually do the work, you know. So it's if you feel that there's misinformation out there, then you should do the work to counter that misinformation. You know, we have the same tools as the people who are perpetrating the misinformation, right? Um, there's a responsibility, I think there's a huge responsibility to educate people to be able to navigate this space. I think that's one of the main things that 
we can do sort of going forward, right? Now this you've got this kind of Pandora's box thing. You know, you can't put the, the creatures back in the box. Um, but perhaps we can learn how to deal with that and to live with that. And I think education is a huge part of that. Um, I think that sort of media literacy should start at a very young age because we're consuming that stuff at a very young age. So that's where it needs to begin. Um, you know, obviously there are, there are plenty of tools for, for verifying information. Um, there are plenty of, of ways that, that have, you know, it's always been a case of, of if you are a new major news outlet, you know, you have a responsibility to, to share the facts, right? And if you get it wrong, then you have a responsibility to, to kind of own up to that. Um, so verification in major newsrooms is already sort of part of the process. Um, so the idea that kind of big outlets lie to you factually is probably pretty wrong for the most part. They make mistakes, they get information wrong, but it's not like they are perpetrating fake news, right? Um, which is what a lot of the criticism of them has been over the past couple of years. Really, when people say fake news, a lot of the time it means I don't agree with your opinion. You know, um, I don't agree with the the spin or the angle that you're putting on that information. Um, and this is perhaps the more nuanced, more important thing to kind of consider that that news outlets have agendas. You know, they have an editorial agenda. Um, they have a cultural agenda. Sometimes that's explicit. Sometimes it's not. Um, and so navigating that and you know you have news outlets who who are, are factually correct but they put so much kind of spin on something that you know the facts get, get twisted to a particular agenda and that's hard to spot unless you are really looking for it and that's the more kind of difficult thing and this is i think a lot of the times when people cry fake news that's really what they're talking about is that it's been kind of wrapped up and presented in a particular way not that the facts are necessarily wrong <laughs> of course you know sometimes they are um, but for individuals who have you know a twitter account i mean like you know that's our social responsibility right you know someone tweets something that's blatantly false that's our social responsibility to stand up and say to that person you're wrong and here's why um, and have that kind of discussion and argument and debate um, and for news outlets of course you know you can write them a letter you can tweet them you can say you got this fact wrong and they should then kind of address that um, so yeah I don't know I mean I think for, for me that's like you have to engage right uh, fake news is is really about this kind of you know this different people's agendas clashing more than anything, more than kind of factually incorrect information, although that is, of course, part of it. I think, so you make a really great point. I mean, especially because newsrooms, you know, the onus is on them to provide objective information. But I was actually reading an article where a lot of times the algorithms themselves or like Twitter or Facebook, um, they're kind of rolling out new initiatives to make sure that, I guess, fake news doesn't travel in the same way as it has. So Twitter has an option where um, they'd ask you, do you want to retweet this 
if you've not read that article, so it's like, you know, you've not read it, are you sure you want to read Would you like it? to read this thing first? Yeah, exactly. Before you, yeah. <laughs> before you, you know, spread it out and like let everyone know that this is what, you know, this is how you feel. So that's, yeah, that's true. It's, it's, it's important to look out, I think, for agendas and also, you know, just generally things that might be false. Yeah. Well, I mean, these things are welcome. Um, you know, I think, you know, Facebook and Twitter and sort of social media has long resisted the idea that they're a kind of publishing platform. Um, because with that admission of that comes the responsibility for what's on your platform. And so, you know, the whole kind of like, well, we're just a place for people to be free, right? It's like, well, yeah, you know, freedom comes with responsibility, right? Um, so they've resisted that because it opens the door to them being kind of regulated and held to account for the things that people say or publish, you know, post you know, I use the word publish, right? Rather than post, but things that, that people publish on their platform. Um, so it's, it's long overdue and it's very welcome to see those kind of uh, companies looking to integrate tools which, which just give you pause, right? Uh, give you the sort of like at least, at least the option to sort of question what it is um, you're seeing and sharing and so forth. Um, and then, of course, you know, you have the like bans of certain people and, you know, you can report accounts and so forth. So, you know, they really need to put this stuff in place in a very robust way. And um, and, and they will have to. Right. Um, and. Yeah, I think. You can't stop, like I say, you can't stop people having an opinion about something, but you can kind of create structures and systems where where that stuff is is people are held accountable for what they say right you know i think you know i'm a big proponent of freedom of speech i think you should be allowed to say pretty much anything but that doesn't absolve you from the responsibility of what you say you know it doesn't give you a license to stop other people disagreeing with you or countering you or even you know not giving you a space to say that if it's deemed to be um problematic offensive damaging or, or what have you so when you have you know very high profile people getting banned from twitter and screaming out about their freedom of speech is being curtailed it's like well it's not you're still free to say this stuff just not on this platform right because we've deemed it to be damaging for you to have that platform to say that thing so you know i think it's 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 a more new that's the more nuanced <laughs> kind of argument and it's much easier to, you know, cry cancel culture and, you know, I'm being oppressed because you're not giving me my freedom of speech to be offensive. You know, <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, and I think that, that it's dangerous to close down freedom of speech. It's dangerous to, you know, even if people have opinions which you don't agree with, um, you know, or, or even if people are saying things which could be quite, quite dangerous or damaging, um, it's equally maybe not equally but it's it's somewhat damaging to try and shut that down in a very aggressive way because it doesn't mean that people will suddenly stop having those opinions um, it just means that they will find another way of expressing them so you're not really dealing with the root kind of cause of these kind of issues and you're more kind of just pushing it to one side 
And again, digital space, we see that, right? You know, people get shut down on one platform and they go somewhere else, right? And that could be even less regulated, could be less open, could be less accessible, and then can create even more of a kind of a conspiratorial bubble, and then that can explode. And this is what we see happen. So, you know, it's dangerous territory to sort of like close things down and shut down debate, even over problematic things that people say. So what would be the middle ground between, you know, regulation or overt strict regulation and, you know, just um, letting people say what they want and let people argue out in the, you know, so-called marketplace of ideas? I don't don't think you're ever going to get it right. You know, I think it's a it's an ongoing process, um, and and it should be, right? I mean, society evolves. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, society is not a solid state thing. Um, you know, the the issues that we face change. The um, issues which were, you know, very very important, um, you know, in one space and one time, uh, become less so in another space and time. So you know. This this thing is constantly ever evolving. Um, things that we thought, you know, people, you know, say I don't know, views towards, you know, uh, women or what have you, you know, very different sort of society wide, 150 years ago than they are now. But there are people who still hold on to certain views which we would say are, you know, extinct, obsolete. You know, this that's Victorian kind of way of thinking. But will people still think like that? So, you know, you can't just say, like, you're obsolete. <laughs> you got to say, well, why do you think like that? You know, where does that point of view, where does that opinion on things come from? Um, so, like I say, you, you, can't, you can't sort of say, like, hey, this is, you know, this is it. We got it perfect. We got it right. You know, these are the views that, you know, society holds. And, you know, we can regulate everything around that. Because that's not going to be the case. Um, so you've got to think about how do you how do you allow for your kind of structures and systems to to evolve along with society um, and the demands that society has so uh, you know with the the top digital space you can see that you know things like facebook immediately go from being this you know it starts off as this like hey it's, it's open it's free hey i can say whatever i want it's like oh i can't say whatever i want it's like, well, if I want to say whatever I want, you know, what are the mechanisms for that? And so struggling with that is something we're still kind of in the process of. Uh, I mean, what's the, the happy medium is, is um, I don't know. I, I really don't because I, I'd, be, I'd be loath to sort of say, you know, this is the set of opinions that you should have as a society. You know? <laughs> because that's kind of dictatorial right you know and that's not very very helpful to a healthy society you know a healthy society is going to have a range of problems and it's going to have a range of ideas around those problems right Um, and you know there's always going to be outliers of opinion Um, you know there's going to be people who want to do x and there's going to be people who find x really abhorrent Um, and that's our challenges of society is like how do we na- navigate that right how do we say what's acceptable or not and where and when is that acceptable you know it might be acceptable in a certain space a certain 
place, time, certain situation, but not in others, right? So to have this constant sort of discussion or debate about who we are and what our society is made up of and how do we include different people's voices and views in the makeup of that society is something we have to constantly struggle with. And I think we should accept that rather than try and sort of say, hey, no, this is our society here. Here's the boundary outside of that is unacceptable, not allowed, you know, what have you, right? Um, you know, I mean, it's like law, right? It's like if you study law, law is not a sort of fixed, it feels like it should be a fixed thing, but it's not, you know? Um, you could murder someone and we could all agree that that is a pretty terrible thing to do. But there might be there are degrees of murder, and there are de there are extenuating circumstances, you know, and there are you know, <laughs> there's there's remorse around this, and you know people people say oh you know lock them up forever or you know execute them you know take one life take their life right, um, and yet at the same time it's like well you could get that wrong or you could like you know someone could have remorse or there could be extenuating circumstances so there's there's degrees of how bad something can be. And that's really complicated to kind of to try and deal with. And the same is true for anything. If I want to live my life in a particular way and I find another particular way of life, you know, uh, wrong or abhorrent to me, then, you know, what right do I have to, to really kind of shut that down and to say, like, you can't do that, right? I should have a space where I can bring forth my objections, but, you know, I shouldn't unilaterally individually have the power to you know prevent that it should be a, a, a society kind of social agreement um, and that's the middle ground like society is the middle ground right <laughs> you know our kind of ongoing discussion between ourselves is that that middle ground no happy medium sorry <laughs> it does, never gets there never going to please everyone right um, I guess so I think you mentioned um, keeping um, or, or taking other people's voices into account and having like um, a fruitful, rich kind of debate. Are these some things that you know you kind of keep in mind when you're going to a new place for a project, or you know you're taking on like an unfamiliar community? You know when you're speaking with someone new. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, one of the most Im important skills we we have not just as journalists but as human beings is the ability to kind of to really listen to other people um, and that's really kind of core and essential to what journalists should be doing um, it's very easy to kind of come up with a point of view and then try and find things that kind of fit that you know that's 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 easy it's not difficult um, but to actually kind of go and and really you know, look and listen and experience and learn from people and then try and kind of build some coherence out of that um, is a much more difficult way of doing things. But that's really what we should be doing if we want to be accurate and honest. Um, so, yeah, taking taking other people's points of view into account, even if you don't necessarily agree with it or if it doesn't fit with your you know, personal agenda. Um, you know, that's, that should be the kind of a core tenant of, of what we do as journalists. Um, 
you know if you're not doing that then you're you're you know you're producing things to an agenda and we call that propaganda right so yeah absolutely have to listen so when you said that society is you know the middle ground um what are some of the conditions that enable a society to act as that middle ground <laughs> um don't know uh, a good a good sense of being able to listen to each other perhaps you know um yeah i think that that is essentially important is you know you you can't you know you can't give everybody everything that they want you know all the time right you know we can't sort of like pander to selfishness um so there has to be some compromise there and in order to compromise you know you really have to kind of like listen to each other you have to try and really understand the other person's point of view or their wants their needs um and try and do your best to to come up with an arrangement which accommodates as much of that as possible without infringing upon other people right this is this this kind of you know it's a rights issue um you know who has the right to do what what are your rights uh and you know journalism is a very very important space for discourse around that you know because if you look at sort of like a say a political sphere you know obviously politicians if they're coming from a particular uh you know political point of view they might have an agenda right um which is which is very very clear um you know based upon their sort of like their political ideology or philosophy or what have you um so journalism should be a space where you get some plural plural plurality can you say that for me please plurality <laughs> some pluralism right some plurality in the in the kind of the in the the um public discourse right uh, i wouldn't necessarily expect that from my politicians for example because you know they build, they have a political ideology but but the space of and you know individual media outlets have this as well but the idea that like in a parliament you have a range of voices and they debate and they come up with the best legislation so should be the civic space should journalism should be part of that where you have a, a range of voices um and you come up with some kind of mode of discourse um which is is helpful to citizens um so i think you know those are you know those are some of the things that that can be done um is to encourage that plurality of discourse um and then yeah that you know education is is super important as well um so that you can navigate that discourse um because if you if you're not educated to kind of see different agendas to spot different points of view to see how facts can be used to further a particular agenda um then you're going to be more open to kind of persuasion um and more accepting of what you're told rather than kind of more curious um about what it is that's being put in front of you and you're going to ask less questions um and more questions are always good because then more questions more debate more discourse and what does this education look like uh well it, sh- it should involve the the methods that you're going to be engaged in you know so 
It should involve debate and discourse. It should involve being having your opinions challenged. It should involve, um, you know what I mean? It's like debates, right? Where you have like one side have to argue this and the other side have to argue that, right? Um, you know, that's a very, very useful kind of um, educational tool. Um, it should involve lots of looking at what's already there. So, you know, talking about journalism education, you look up the journalism that's been done. You look at examples of good journalism. You look at examples of bad journalism. You look at examples of agenda-led journalism. Um, you know, you look at how, uh, you know, things were reported at the time and then how they were reported after the fact and how that kind of the historical sort of lens on things has changed um, how an event is perceived, for example. So it's about really kind of, you know, as, as journalists, you should be really studying these kind of mechanisms of, of how society operates. Um, you know, you have to be a little bit of a jack of all trades in some cases. You know, have to understand a little bit of all kinds of different disciplines. Um, but really, you know, the most useful I found is is really being open to having your point of view challenged and, you know, practicing challenging other people's point of view. And that's that's conversation and discourse and discussion around particular issues, facts, agendas, what have you. So I want to bring us back to media literacy and how do we get to that place, you know, um, being a society that's media literate? Um, well, I mean, if you are, if you are a young child at school, hopefully you're being taught it. Um, you know, and, and I think that's, again, that's something we should, we should start early. Um, so that should be being built into school curriculums, right? Um, you know, it, it should be, it should be something which is in every subject. You know, if you're doing geography, you can read newspaper reports, right? I mean, my kids use news sources to do their homework right so you know understanding like how you can use these things should be just there um it should be more i think it should be more um prevalent in the curriculum like you are doing media literacy now rather than kind of like you know sort of learning it as you go by using different sources or reading things in the news or writing things about the news or doing your own kind of journalism in English or what have you should be more explicit you know like this is why you need to learn this um, for those of us who are no longer in education I advise go back to school right you know like I'm a big proponent of lifelong learning you know educate yourself right um, and I think also it's, it's a responsibility of, of media this is the responsibility of journalism in general to um, to not mislead people, right? To be accurate, to be honest, to, you know, try to, you know, if you have an agenda, be upfront about it, right? You know, I'm, I'm, I much prefer a media outlet to say, yes, we have this kind of, you know, this is our editorial position, right? Um, and so, you know, then you understand where they're coming from as a media organization, as a media outlet, right? Uh, hidden agendas are bad, <laughs> you know? <laughs> they could cause problems. 
So, you know, um, I think there's a responsibility there from the people who are actually doing journalism, doing this work, who are in the media to, um, to be upfront about what they're doing, why they're doing it. You know, um, sometimes that's there, sometimes it's not, you know. Uh, sometimes it's it can be quite insidiously hidden um, and it's you know that's that does cause problems so I think I think it's the responsibility of all of us again to like engage um, and you know call people out and you know be honest uh, when you you know when you get caught out you know go, Hold your hand up. Say, "Yeah, okay, yeah, uh, I did that," you know, um, and and kind of generate that sort of space in society where it's like, you know, it's okay to have a different opinion from me. Or it's okay to for you to think this. Um, I disagree. Let's you know, let's engage with that. You know, so I think it's it's just a, a huge, it's, and that's difficult, right? It takes it takes work. It takes effort. Um, so I think that's the that's the way we get there, is by engaging and doing our best to be responsible, um, and hopefully uh, progress, <laughs> <laughs> and and be better than we were before. Many thanks to Tom White for joining us today, and we hope you join us for N3Con, the AAJ Asia Annual Conference. Once again, I'm Dexter, and I'm Neha. We hope to see you there.